0: Before I forget, what's up? I just want to make sure that everyone knows that you're going to hear a reference that Joe Buckner, who we got to speak to today, make um, about some of his very first employees, and he mentions Darius, and that is yours truly, Darius on the Make a Difference podcast.
1: Oh, quit it! Quit. I just it. need
0: to make sure that everybody knows that you that you that that's the reference (laughs) it's you Darius not another one
1: (laughs) I think it was another one because I look at that Darius and it's not the same guy that's here today so all
0: right that's fair that's fair but anyway welcome to episode 46 uh where we as I just mentioned got to chat with Joe Buckner um who has a really really incredible story that you'll get to hear and just dropping Knowledge.
1: Yeah, big facts. I mean, I didn't even have anything to add to that. Like, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, this this episode is, I think Joe just gets straight to the point. Um, and he and he can com- and he communicates it in a very distilled manner. So like the things you need to think about in- internally, internally. There's a lot of external things that you can think about and go through. And as we reference, you can use Google for, but the internal disposition of what makes someone, of what gives someone a chance to be a successful entrepreneur, leader, um, you know, friend, spouse, Joe really distills those things really clearly. And so just tune in and and connect with us as we get the chance to, as we got the chance to connect with Joe. And um, yeah, there's really not a whole lot more. I want to say check out, go to Google right now and search Beautifully Savage. Um, beautifully savage and then open another tab and search good trouble spelled trbl after good look up everything that joe's doing and um he's someone you want to going to keep tabs on because he's trying to do some some wonderful things with the time he has
0: absolutely we also learned about a nonprofit organization that he's also trying to start which is really cool so make sure you hone in on that as well and we really hope you enjoy this episode and as always thank you for tuning in
1: that's right, make a difference. What's up, everyone? Darius here, one half of the team with the Make a Difference podcast, and this is episode forty-six, where we get to connect with one of the most genuine and authentic man I know. Who's a he's a connector of people. Um, certain things, like crazy things, like certain things I have in my life are because of this man. Um, he's just an authentic, genuine genuine man who um, walks with conviction and vision and um, he's also one of the coolest guys I know if you guys could see him right now he has this incredible hoodie on dude is just as the kids say <laughs> as the kids say got the drip um, but episode I just 46, learned
0: a new thing
1: episode 46 today guys we have Joe Buckner um, with us Joe welcome to the podcast
2: what's up man thank you for having me glad to be here with my brother yeah. Well,
1: Joe, the way as we were connecting before, the way it goes, we like to, to take the Mad Podcast family into the backstory a little bit. So, guys, Joe's an entrepreneur. He's founded a couple of different companies and he's a, you know, a, a actually nationally recognized and networked coach and different things. And um, but take us back, take us back to the backstory that ultimately leads us to Joe Buckner of today.
2: Uh, 20 years ago it was 2001.
0: That's that right? wild.
2: Yeah, it's wild, right? And uh, I was a cell phone salesperson back then. And, um, you know, I just worked. I was always in sales. And then, you know, my first journey into entrepreneurship was in the antisocial side of things. I was I was a, an entrepreneur, but I wasn't doing things on the right side of the law. But I did build a business and I learned a lot, actually, by building that business. Um, it was a dangerous business where... You know, if your inventory wasn't on point, you could lose your life. If your money wasn't on point, you could lose your life. So um, I learned how to manage people. Some people were in it for business, some people were in it for pleasure. So it was my first journey into entrepreneurship that um, ended me up where everyone else that does that ends up in the Department of Corrections. And then when I came out, I was determined to put my life back together, come hella or high water. And I started working again. And I was willing to take any job that I could take because I knew that I would make the most of it because I saw every job as an opportunity, not just a job. So long story short, you know, I came home, got two $7 an hour jobs and I was just grinding and working, but I mean, one of them was a bagel shop called Gibbs Bagels. And even at that point, you know, I just started to understand things a little bit more and I I remember saying to the owners, I said, you know, I think that we should make a succession plan because I'd like to own these restaurants someday. I don't want to work here forever. I want to be the owner. I like the idea of that. Now imagine, you know, your $12 an hour bagel shop manager saying he wants to own your restaurant someday. (laughs) Right. But I just knew that I knew like that was the key. Ownership is the key. And that's something that's not talked about enough. And so, that, that didn't pan out. I ended up working at a place called Aaron's. And very quickly, I went from being the guy making coffee for $9 an hour to the sales manager within three weeks, five months. I was the general manager. A year later, I was on the regional sales staff. But every step of that way, I just paid attention. And I think, okay, as the sales manager, I've increased the monthly revenue of this store by $20,000 a month. So that means every year, these people are getting an additional $240,000 and to show me their appreciation they paid me an extra dollar for every hour i work something's wrong with the math here i'm not the smartest guy in the world but i know numbers mm-hmm. and i know numbers and those are skewed a little bit so i that that was about 2007 2007 2008 and i that was the first time i read uh, i read do you by russell simmons and then i wrote four hour work week by tim ferris and that was when i first started thinking like okay i could do something for myself but I didn't know how or what to do. And I didn't have money. And at the time I was very limited in my perspective on money. So I felt like, you know, you had to be born into that or you had to be, you know, know somebody. So I didn't, I didn't know that money's everywhere. If you've got a good idea and the right heart and the right team, like money is the easiest part to find. And so I just kept working, Uh, started a t-shirt company called Huggy bear apparel in 2011 and you know, that was, that was gonna be my thing. The the, the inspiration for that was Antonio Fargus from Starskin Hutch, Huggy Bear's character was a every bit an entrepreneur. He sold cars, he was a he was a pimp, he uh, he <laughs> sold information, he owned a bar, but he 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 was had his hands in a lot of things, right? And he was kind of his own man. And so he was the inspiration for that. And I had, a, I had a business partner in that. And we just had very different ideas of what was cool and what wasn't. So as you can tell, you can probably guess that partnership didn't go very well, which means our business didn't go very well. And um, I was also aging out of kind of that like space, too. So my, my mind wasn't there. So I, I just stuck with I was just selling copiers at that time. And I was very successful at that. And again, it came down to very, very simple math for me. You know, I was an up and down the street rep. Average copier sells $6,000. I did $1.2 million worth of sales for that company in one year. I did 51% of my office's revenue. And I sat down one day and I said, I only got paid 14% of that money. My boss said, yeah, that's a lot of money. I said, yeah, 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 yes, and it's not as much money as they got though. And they're still getting paid on the pages and the afterwork that I sold. And I'm not getting paid on that. Mm-hmm. And so that's when my wheel started spinning again. And then circa 2016, I opened Beautifully Savage Boxing Studio because I said, if I can make $1.2 million for people that I don't really like and that don't like me, um, I could probably do even a third of that for myself and I'll be all right. And so in 2016, with $15,000 and a million dollars worth of heart and hustle, I started Beautifully Savage Boxing Studio. And here we are five years later. We've opened three of them. We're getting ready to open another one in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, Started the sneaker line. I've been coaching all over the country. I'm venturing into executive coaching now. I run programs for teens. And my life has never been better because I took a chance on myself.
0: Love it. Why boxing?
2: You know, I was born boxing. My uncle was a boxer. I've been boxing since six. um, Played football when I was in college. I I couldn't really figure out how to structure a workout around football. Um, I helped open Title Boxing Club in South Fort Collins, and I saw that people were interested in boxing for fitness, but I also saw that that's not how fighters train. And I love the parallels between boxing and life. Because really what I wanted to do was I wanted to empower people. I didn't care about fitness. Truth be told, fitness is just a vehicle. It's my spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down, to help people learn to fight for what they want in their life.
1: And you, you said, um, you know, you decided to take a chance on yourself. I think there's a lot of people that want to like they're like the numbers don't add up. The time doesn't add up. I want to take a chance on myself, but. To be honest, I think a lot of people just don't know how because they've been moving a certain way for so long, even the negative inertia, right? It just, you still keep going that way. You know, how did you begin to even like, I'm going to start a business. Like, this is what I got to do. I mean, I know you did the Huggy Bear thing, but, but that's different than, you know, apparel is a little bit easier than, you know, I'm actually opening a facility. I got services and different things. Like, how did you begin to break down that process of like, This is what I want to
2: do. And here's how I'm going to at least start bare bones. Yeah, that's a great question. So I I will say this. I do believe that a lot of people tell themselves, I don't know how, I don't know where to start, but Dr. Google can teach you anything you need to know and you can learn it in under 10 minutes. You can pull up sample business plan for gym, whatever. So that's just noise, right? Mm -hmm. I've come to the point now where I believe that people aren't even, it's not even that they're afraid to fail, People don't want to fail in public. They don't want to say, oh, I'm starting this restaurant. And then two years later, be like, oh, I had to close it. Or I'm starting this gym and I had to close it. Like they don't want to fail in public. They'll fail behind closed doors all they want. And most people would choose unhappiness over uncertainty. So even if they don't like where they're at, they'd rather stay there than take a chance on something, right? Because they want to dance with the devil they know. Um, for me, number one, again, I just have this, I mean, I've been to the bottom and I've been to maximum security prison. I've been homeless. Like what was starting a business and it not working out going to do to me? So the worst I I literally sat down myself and I said, okay, the worst thing that happens is you go back to selling copiers. You continue making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, winning two free trips to Mexico, living in your big house and driving nice cars like that's the worst thing that's going to happen if you start a business is you go back to work. I'm not going to take away my birthday. You know, I'm not going to like, literally, I've been to maximum security prison where you pull up and there's barbed bar wire on the top and there's people with machine guns. Like, what is a failed business going to do to me? Nothing. I don't care. I'm fearless in that space, right? And so for me, the other thing that I did is I was always learning. Any business I was in, I was trying to learn and absorb. And I don't think enough people, like, you work at malware. That's and I, that's already like a staple, right? Of The community, they build something incredible. Even if someone worked there and they were like, oh, I don't love working here. OK, but look at what you can learn working at one of these great companies. Right. So whether it was a bagel shop or it was a 60 year old rent to own business, that is the number one business of its kind in the world. I was always trying to learn. The thing that helped me with Beautifully Savage was I was asked to help at Title Boxing Club. And I had a boxing background. The owner didn't have a boxing background. And I knew people in my community and he didn't. So it was like, do you want to get paid to do this? I was like, how about you give me a free membership and just let me hang out. Mm. Let me see what I can do. So I spent three years. Title Boxing Club, Good, Bad, or Indifferent, is the biggest boxing fitness franchise in the world. You know, they have 163 locations. It might be 136, actually. So they've done something right. So there's probably something I can learn there, right? right? And so I spent three years watching, learning. And I also, again, it goes back to that belief, right? I was like, I, I can do this. Because here's the thing that people forget. You don't need to know how it is done. You need to know that it has been done by someone else. And then you can do it. Put your own little sauce on it and you're good. That's good. So that was it for me. If someone else, I'm just like that, though. If someone else has done it, I'm like, I can do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so what was that first year like? Like, I mean. Horrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Come on. Horrible. Come what about
0: it was horrible? Uh,
2: Let's see. The day I said I was not going back to work and I was opening the business, my fiance broke up with me. I only started with 15 grand, which is barely enough to open the doors. So there was a couple of times I had to borrow money from friends to make payroll, I didn't know my rear end from my elbow when it came to running a business. So I just struggled a lot, but I had, I was like ignorance on fire and people were attracted to that, right? <laughs> and we built a great business. It did like a 30% profit the first year. I think it was like 32% profit. It was insane, but I also didn't have a finance background. So I didn't know how to manage that money. So that money was my money, right? It's like so. It was horrible. I struggled mightily. I struggled for the first two years. I I can say that this business cost me some dear relationships to me. Um, And it cost me a lot. It probably added about six, seven, eight years of my life. But it's given me so much. And I think one of the things that when I went into it, I understood that there was going to be some loss involved and I knew that had I known ahead of time I don't know that I would have done it the same way but I knew there was going to be some loss right it's like that Garth Brooks song the dance he's like I'm glad I didn't know the way it all would end the way it all would go right cause I might not have done it. Right. So the first two years were very, very hard. You were there for part of that. Like I struggled a lot as business owner. I struggled with the fallacy of being an entrepreneur and thinking I needed to do it all myself and not having the, the, um, not having the humility to ask for help. I, I struggled with the, like, this is all on me and about me. And that's the only way it can be. And, this business transformed. I mean, I have a business that a gym, a small gym that doubled in size from pre COVID to now that's almost unheard of. Right. But it was because at a certain point I detached from it. I just let go. And I was like, I need help. It's going to be what it's going to be. I am in no control of any of these things. All I can do is put the best product out there possible. So the first two years sucked like financially, they looked good. Right. But like when you have all of a sudden eight, nine, ten, eleven thousand dollars extra every month just showing up in the bank and like in your brain, that's my money. So we're traveling, we're going out to eat, like, and at the end of the year, it's like, holy cow, we killed it. Where's all the money? <laughs> you know, where's all the money? We killed it, right? Like, so it was a lot, it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of learning, and that's that's where I think people get caught up right? They want to go zero to a hundred. They forget there's a dash in the middle. And those 99 steps is where all the learning happens. And sometimes the learning hurts.
0: What do you, what do you think were, I don't know, maybe like the two biggest lessons that you learned that you feel could be important for other entrepreneurs who are maybe looking to start out, maybe that you wish you would have known?
2: Yeah, great question. Number one is you need more money than you think. You need probably two or three times more money than you actually think you need. That's the biggest. Most businesses fail because they're underfunded. Mm -hmm. Not because they don't have a good idea or they're not hardworking people. You just, when you run out of money, you run out of money. Right? Um, The second one is the internet is full of crap, okay? And entrepreneurship doesn't have to look like what all these so-called gurus are telling you it has to look like. I left a $150,000 a year job to do this. When in hindsight, we were teaching classes at five and six in the morning and five and six at night. I could have kept working. I could have kept working. This business would have been something I was investing in, not something that I needed to pay my bills. I wouldn't have put my family through financial hardship, myself through financial hardship. I wouldn't have had to put myself out and borrow from friends at times. Like, so it doesn't have to look the way the internet says, well, you got to go all in and sacrifice to eat peanut butter sandwiches. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. However you want to do it is how you want to do it. And you have to walk your own path. And if that's the way you have to do it, like that's cool. Cause some people have to do it that way. Like have to go all in, burn the boats, but some people can be like, no, I really like making all this money. I like my life. And I also like this other thing. So that those would be the two. You need way more money than you think you do. Like take whatever you think you do, add 50 percent at least to that because you need it. And the second is it doesn't have to look like what all these so-called experts say. Take it and make it your own and do what's best for you and your family and chase it down that way.
0: I love it. I mean, obviously, so the first two years were crap. It was hard. It was a lot, but obviously now looking back, you have a very successful business. You're about to open up your fourth location. So, how did you get there? I mean, after two years of really, really hard work and terribleness and just <laughs> everything, I mean, how how did you go from that to this?
2: Um, that's actually why I wore this sweatshirt. This is one of my new sweatshirts from my sneaker line, and I made it because. That's what entrepreneurship takes, right? It takes heart and it takes hustle. And I think a lot of times people forget that, that both of those, right? And they forget that they have to work sometimes a hundred hours a week to make it go. Um, There was a time, I was just talking about this yesterday, Darius and I taught so many classes and we didn't have a microphone, we we couldn't talk. We didn't even have voices, right? And I'm the owner of the place, but like, that's what it takes. So now whether I'm consulting with someone who's opening a business or I ask them like, how much pain are you willing to endure because there's going to be some pain involved, right? I also started with the end in mind and I am an unusually determined person who stays focused on what he's going to and not what he's going through. Does that make sense? Cause I think that's what winners do. And I'm not saying some people are winners and some are losers. I'm saying the people that end up winning, are constantly focused. Well, this is what I'm going to. So even if this, this, and this pop up, I don't care. I got to figure that out because I'm still going here. A lot of people stay focused on what they're going through. And so I just never lost sight of the fact that I was building a place that was for the benefit of other people. And I had to, I had to keep it going. And the first people that became members of that gym, I remember, you know, it's a group of them. They came from another gym and they were like our first 10, 15 members. And I made a promise to them. I said, I promise you, I will keep this place open. I'll do whatever I have to. And at times that meant humbling myself and bringing on a business partner. You know, at times that meant selling my car. I used to have a really cool Dodge Challenger. Like I did whatever I had to do to keep the promise to those people that believed in me in the beginning because they really didn't have any reason to. I had no background in this kind of business. I had no background in any kind of business. So for anyone to believe in me was probably a little crazy on their part. But, you know, here we are.
1: You know, that's the definition of a brand. You did whatever you had to do in the right manner to keep that promise you made to, you know, those people who came alongside you in the form of employees and and customers. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Okay, so real quick, I'll say this too. I had a vision that was clear and it was really strong because at that point, you know, we can get into faith and some people want to call it God law of attraction, whatever, but I was in alignment with where my life was supposed to go. So even when we think about coaches, again, this is a conversation I was having this morning. We needed coaches, but I didn't have a way to find them or nowhere. And then one day a young man named Seth brings his friend named Darius in and I'm watching Darius hit a bag and I'm like, Oh, that guy knows how to box and he's in great shape i wonder if he'd be interested in coaching right i remember coaching all day long and sitting with my then fiance and saying i really wish we could find someone to coach these middle of the day classes 9 and 12 so that i could have a break and actually work on this business and in one day walks this woman she's late for class you know she's got the Hayabusa bag and gloves. And I'm like, gosh, you better be really good at boxing with all this fancy gear. And then I watched her start shadow boxing and she was nice. And I watched her kill it in class. Afterwards, I said, what's your name? She said, Christina Ogden. I said, oh, cool. She said, how much is a membership? I said, would you be willing to have another conversation because I need some help? She said, I would love to coach, but I can only coach at like nine o'clock in the morning at noon. And I was like, well, would you look at that? Right. So even during those beginning years, we put together this roster of coaches that were incredible and I didn't recruit any of them. They just kept showing up. They just kept showing up, literally just walking through the front door. And so I had this vision before I had a studio, before I had even the name for the place I knew what I wanted it to look like, feel like how I wanted people to feel. And then I've never strayed from that ever. Wonderful, man.
1: Man, I think about, you know, you said, you know, that, first couple of years they were rough on relationships how do you you know as you're coming on the other side of that 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 let's just say the road so to speak how do you face that how do you face that and begin to maybe mend or just focus on or how do you deal with just the choices you had that you made when you come on the other side of it you know Do you find yourself dealing with regrets or anything or how do you just, how do you just move forward? Because people matter, you know, at the end of the day. And, um, and I know you're someone who values each and every relationship. So if something's not going right, that bothers you, you know? So how do you look at that coming on the other side of it?
2: You know, the growth for me, um, was just owning up to the fact that I wasn't very good at being a business person in the beginning. And, talking to people that were maybe wrong or felt slighted and also changing behavior. You know, um, it's interesting, a gal that used to coach for us, she coached for us for a few weeks. She didn't make it. She works at the gym that I lift at now. And we ran into each other and we had a cool conversation. She's like, hey, I'm sorry. I wasn't very good when I was at your place. Like I was young and so on and so forth. I said, well, yes, and... I also wasn't very good because today I'd be able to manage that situation better and understand what you needed from me for you to grow back then. I just wanted people to be ready made because I was drowning. I was drowning, trying to figure out how to learn a quick books. Right. And so like um, it came with the understanding of like, Joe, you can't do everything and you're not good at everything. And the things you haven't been good at, if you have a chance to make them right, you better make them right. Now, the, the relationship I had that really, it was affected the most by this, I don't know that we'll ever have a conversation about that, but I have a great relationship now. And as I look forward to different business things I'm wanting to do, even the gym in Cheyenne, I engage her and I say, hey, I'd like to talk with you about this thing I wanna do. And let's see if we're in alignment. I also maybe could use a different set of eyes on it because maybe I'm looking at it with stars in my eyes, right? this nonprofit that I'm working on, I sat down and I said, Hey, can I bounce these off of you? I just want to hear where you're at with it. This is what I'm thinking. But again, I might have stars in my eyes because I'm sure I'm not the only entrepreneur who thinks every idea he has is the greatest idea in the history of ideas. Right. I mean, <laughs> facts. Wow. Look, I made all this cool stuff like yesterday. I need to talk to someone about it, right? But back then, what I did was I went home and I said, I'm leaving my job and I'm opening a gym. Now My child was still living at home with me. I had a fiance. She had two kids. This was going to affect all of them, right? Because I was like the main person bringing the money. So I didn't even touch base with anyone. I just said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And I even remember telling her one time when she broke up with me, I was like, that's cool, I'm doing it anyway. Like I have to do it, right? It might've been kind of me and respectful for me to sit down and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Can we talk about this? Cause she might've said, can you do it without quitting your job? Actually, yeah, I can. Now we don't have to go through financial trouble for two years, right? Like mm-hmm. you can actually build something and let it grow organically. I would've had money to put into marketing my business. Instead of, and it grew organically, grace of God, it grew organically, but gosh, where would it be if I'd have had some money to put into marketing and advertising and, you know, actually doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. So can yeah, you, for me, I go back. Yeah.
0: Can you, uh, I'm curious about the nonprofit. Are you in a place where you can talk to us a little about that, that oh, yeah. brainchild? Okay.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So this has actually been works, in the works since 2013. And um, I, I am very fortunate to get to work with teams that are in the criminal justice system. The next group that I'm working with is um, through Homeward Alliance. It's a group of 10 men that are on parole currently. And they're going to come to my gym. And I have a six-week program that's 12 hours long that it's currently called Fighting Solves Everything, but I'm changing the name of it. And I took the traits of a championship fighter and I teach people how to apply them to their life. And we sit down and we get clear on what are you fighting for in your life? who's fighting in your corner. So we identify allies and what's actually worth fighting for. And then we teach them how to go after that. So it's an hour of boxing, hour of personal development. And we've done it with Matthew's house, Genesis project. Um, We've helped a lot of kids through that. And then this will be my first adult group, which I'm really excited about. And I've been looking at purchasing land in Nunn, Colorado, because what I'd like to do is build a facility where I can host this because I'm also getting into the executive coaching space. And so I wanna be able to host everything in one place. And instead of bringing them to my gym and sending them home, I'd like to have them for five days, six days, three days, and be in wide open spaces and let them go outside and ride four wheelers and breathe fresh air because I was one of those kids. And I think you can relate when your life is about survival you live like this every day every day is like this when's the next incident am i going to eat today do i even have clean clothes to wear to school are the lights going to be on when i get home so we live like this right and i want to be able to bring them to wide open spaces and let them go like this and breathe deep and feed them great food and put them through my program in my own facility where I get to control everything about the environment. At my gym now, when I want to do it, I have to schedule out. We lose time because we do one-on-ones. So my nonprofit is going to be called The Lotus Effect. And the reason is lotus flowers are important to me. I got lotus flower tattoos everywhere. And when I first came out of my time of being in trouble, I studied lotus flowers and why scientists think they don't get dirty, even though they grow in mud and black water. And they say their petals have something called the lotus effect, which is like a film that does not allow dirt and grime to stick to them, which lets them be beautiful in the dirtiest, ugliest of circumstances and allows them to grow and bloom colorful and vibrant. What better analogy than that for people who are struggling, right? People who need some inspiration, some motivation, some light and some hope in their life than to be like a lotus flower and control your environment no matter what it is and know that you can still come out beautiful and vibrant even though you're in dark spaces,
0: love so it. That's
2: what we're working on. Love I'm it. To end private prisons. That's that's my big long-term goal. If there's no people to send to prison, people can't make money off of people going to prison anymore. Amen. Thanks for asking about that.
1: Um, I mean, I feel like that's like wrap it up after that, man. That's <laughs> yeah. <good. laughs> Mic drop. I'm not really.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure what else we have to talk about now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, yeah. I think um, actually one thing I want I want to ask you about, um, you know, because we, we, you know, we started this to to highlight people who are are doing positive things in the world, and we've we've obviously clearly showcased that, um, just in in talking with you so far. But can you talk about just from your perspective the importance of character in anything you're doing? Mm. I'm just as someone who has had to make choices that landed you in an unfortunate position Um, and you know you've had over the years to think about character quite a bit yeah so can you talk about that a little bit just in whatever your endeavors are yeah
2: I think that we don't give energy the credit it deserves it's a real thing and we're always writing our life story every day and we're deciding who's coming into it who's leaving and what we're welcoming in and what we're not by the energy we're putting out. And even when I was doing committing crimes, I used to say, well, you know, like I'm doing this for, because I got to feed my family. There's a difference between doing wrong and being wrong. Well, now I'm like, wrong is wrong. Wrong is wrong. And the energy that I was putting out into the world, it not only kept me hiding, because you don't want people to know you're doing well, My character wasn't good. I wasn't who I post to be on the social media, right? Like. Not everyone's who they post to be. And so being authentic and having character and integrity allows you to move through the world without trying to remember what you told that person two weeks ago that wasn't true, right? Having to cover your tracks, having to like lie about business. It's more about like, this is who I am, straight, no chaser. And the people that rock with me, they rock with me. The people that don't, don't. But what I don't have to do anymore is hide, Right? I also feel that when you do things from your actual character, what you are, you'll end up in the spaces that you're supposed to be in. Like I was selling drugs, right? And even though I said I was oh, doing it for my family, I ended up in prison because my character was a little wonky, right? But when I got out, even when I was broke, my character was always right. So I ended up in right spots. I ended up in places where people wanted to give me a hand where people were willing to listen, right? Because I wasn't hiding anymore. I was willing to say, hey, I'm actually struggling a little bit. I have to pay my rent tomorrow and I don't have the money, Mr. Landlord. And I don't know how this works out. And for them to say, oh, that's cool. When can you pay it, right? Whereas before I'd be like, I gotta go hustle and do this thing so that I don't have to have that awkward conversation, right? So for me, character is one of the things I talk about with the young people. It's integrity is the quality of absolute honesty. And when you're in that space, life just moves, you're constantly flowing, right? And you're attracting to you, the people and things that are for you. But when you're out of character, you might end up in spaces where you don't actually belong, right? That's why I tell the kids like shortcuts aren't cool because you're gonna get there early and unprepared. So while it might take longer to take the long way, That's what your character actually is because that's what you're built for right now. A lot of people are asking for things they're not ready for and they don't have the character to admit it, right? I want to be successful. I want a seven figure business, but but you're you're not ready for that. You haven't done the work for that, right? You're not ready for that. If you can't take care of $10,000, you can't take care of a billion. You're not built for it yet. You got to go through some things. So for me, character is important because again, You are constantly telling the world, the universe, what to bring around you and move away from you. And if you are in alignment, you are living in your true character. You might not have everything you want, but you'll have the things you need and the people you need to get where you need to go.
1: Let's go. All right. Rapid fire time. Let's go rapid fire. We got a series of questions we're going to ask you and don't think about them. Shoot.
2: All right. Favorite (laughs) quote. Forget about likes and dislikes. They're of no concern. Just do what needs to be done. This may not be happiness, but it's greatness. George Bernard Shaw. Let's
1: go. Favorite dog breed?
2: English Bulldog.
1: Mm, Okay.
2: Top five boxers all the time. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard, Muhammad Ali, Roberto Duran, and... Marvin Hagler, that's a sentimental favorite.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, um, last book you started and finished.
2: Oh, Building a Story Brand.
1: Let's go, Donald Miller, all right. Yeah, yeah Building okay. a Story brand. Yeah. All right, scariest thing that you have yet to do that you want to do?
2: Scariest thing I've yet to do that I want to do? Yeah. Jump out of an airplane. Okay. All Hopefully,
0: right. with a parachute.
2: Yes, with a parachute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and outs- outside I of have opening- one A and one B,
1: yeah, go ahead. Marriage is one B. Marriage. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. All right, besides entrepreneurship, scariest thing that you have done,
2: jump in the ocean.
1: Let's go. Let's go. All right, favorite date night spot T- to take a lady out.
2: Oh, favorite date night spot. I would say Blue Agave. Mm. you talking locally or yeah. like Vegas is a date? It, it can be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, Vegas was a date. I took a date to Nebraska to go see Luke Combs a few weeks ago. So are we talking locally or?
1: Yeah, you know, wherever,
2: wherever, man, put them on the map. They might put some yeah. on the map. <laughs> yeah, I, I like doing unexpected things, right? Like, hey, I'd love to see Luke Combs one day. Great. I found tickets. Make sure you don't have to work the 25th of June. We're going to drive to Nebraska and see Luke Holmes, right? So, like, again, as your resources expand, your date night ideas probably expand a little bit.
0: What are the top three traits of a good leader, in your opinion?
2: Emotional IQ, empathy, and... I'm trying to figure out how to say support. Like they support the people on their team. Like, you like you know, the leader has your back. I don't know how to say that.
0: Yeah. So I think supportive works.
2: Support. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are the three. Yeah. Awesome. You look,
1: you're good. Last but not least, your advice that you would give to
2: 25-year-old Joe. 25-year-old Joe. So that was, how many years ago was that? I'm 46 now. So that was in 2000. What I would tell 25-year-old 20, Joe is learn to love yourself, man. You're going you're gonna to keep yourself from a lot of heartache and pain if you actually love yourself. You won't put up with a whole lot of things that you put up with and you won't feel the need to validate yourself to other people if you just learn to love yourself.
1: Let's go. All right. Well, last thing we do is we, um, we like to have our, our guests leave a parting word. I think what you said was actually very fitting, giving our audience, you know, that 25 to 44 range. Makes yeah. a lot of our audience. But if you could, just shooting from the top of the dome, leave them with a, uh, a, a parting word for a minute just to the Mad Podcast family.
2: Uh, always dream bigger than you live. And don't be afraid to fail in public because what if it works out exactly as you imagined it was
1: let's go episode and love, your, and love yourself <laughs> let's go episode 46 joe buckner entrepreneur father fighter connector genuine person man man with the drip um and
2: go to and my, website friend. my new hoodies.
1: yeah 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 so Real quick, um, actually, let's not let's make sure we don't forget that, because tell us about Good Trouble and, and what you got going there.
2: Yeah. Good Trouble is a it, it was a mobile sneaker shop, that um, concept that I came up with last year in 2020. And um, we sell apparel and footwear. It is now morphing into an affordable shopping experience where I'm going to be using our social channels to show people how to create looks for less, how to, you know, look like a million bucks without having to spend a million bucks and how to really, you know, look your best and feel your best without having to break the bank. That's That's cool. Awesome. That's so, you know, The goal of that is to inspire and empower people to get away from the conspicuous consumption of thinking that like, if you don't have, like I saw a dude the other day, I had on like fifteen hundred dollars shoes, right? But like he was like, "Hey, um, you know, he didn't have money." And I'm like, "That you don't—you're not wearing those shoes for for yourself. You're wearing them so we think you have money." Like, but what if you don't have to? You know, I look at like GQ magazine—it's probably my favorite magazine—but like that's not relatable to everyday people. I'm not gonna buy a three thousand dollars dress shirt. You know, what I mean, I'm not gonna buy nine thousand dollars shoes. But what if I can show you how to create that look for two hundred? Or hundred. What if I can show you how with the right tailor and a quick trip to J.C. JCPenney's, you can look like a million bucks. Right? I dig it. I, dig I think that's where a lot of us get into trouble or have gotten into trouble in our life, right? Whether it's credit cards or what have you, it's like trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to, you know, spend beyond our means to convince people we have money. The truth is, man, you can make anything look fly. You know, one of the most popular hoodies I ever made, I bought the sweatshirts at Walmart cropped them, put some cool graphics on it, bleached them, sold them like hotcakes. It's a $7 hoodie. Oh
1: yeah. I know a dude, I know a dude once who wore a paperclip necklace and literally everybody was like, yo, that is the freshest thing we've ever seen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And just to empower, like, and you know, this is a, a thing that I think that, you know, BIPOC people really struggle with this, like, a lot of us have been conditioned to believe that like if your sneakers cost more than someone else's, then you're doing good. But in reality, it's like, I know guys that have every Jordan sneaker under the planet, but don't have a car. can't make their child support payments. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, we need to change the narrative around that. And so that's going to be a big part of the messaging too. I don't think John Lewis probably ever bought a pair of Jordans, you know, and if he did, he didn't overspend on them because he had bigger fish to fry. And so that's where I want to take that brand is like getting people out of that conspicuous consumption that it has to be brand name, this brand name, that. Because the truth is, the people don't care about any of us. They don't care that you just spent your whole paycheck buying a pair of shoes. They don't care about you, right? And yeah. encouraging kids to know, you know? Yeah. So like, you don't need all that. You can yeah. get your shack sneakers from the mall, from Walmart, because truth is, you're going to grow out of them in a the year. Your parents don't need to spend $200 for you to be special. So that's what the messaging is going to be for Good Trouble. So it's changing. It's still going to be pop-up shops, live events. But um, the wording, the messaging, all that's about to change. And we're going to take this whole social media thing in a whole different way.
1: I love it. And sidebar, man, my my, my brain is jogging on the fact of like, so John Lewis never buying some Jordans, right? But his level of character and his relationships, he could just be like adding some Jordans. Man. Amen. Got some Jordan.
2: You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. amen. yeah. Yeah, you know. Sorry. The worst part is someone at Jordan brand probably being like, Who's this?
0: <laughs> I just want to point out that, that was a really timely reference because, you know, a year ago, just a few days ago, we lost John Lewis. So mm-hmm. very timely reference.
2: Thank you. Yeah. That's that's why my shop's called Good Trouble.
0: So. I love it.
1: Yeah, so and for the record, it's good trouble with it's not your normal spelling of trouble, it's T R B L, correct brother? Yeah.
0: yep, T R B L. Yep.
2: All right. Yep, at Good Trouble Shop on Instagram and TikTok. And uh, yeah, beautiful savage boxing on both as well. All well, right. thank
0: you for being with us today, Joe. We really enjoyed the conversation. Sure. And um as always to our mad podcast family, go out and make a difference today.
2: Yeah, very sure. sure. it Appreciate you.